Forward to Among the Night People by Clara Dillingham Pearson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jude Summers. Among the Night People by Clara Dillingham Pearson. Forward. My dear little friends, you can never guess how much I have enjoyed writing these stories of the night time, and I must tell you how I first came to think of doing so. I once knew a girl, and she was not a very little girl either, who was afraid of the dark. And I have known three boys who were as brave as could be by daylight, but who would not run on an errand alone after the lamps were lighted. They never seem to think what a beautiful, restful growing time the night is for plants and animals, and even for themselves. I thought that if they knew more of what happens between sunset and sunrise, they would love the night as well as I. It may be that you will never see bats flying freely, or find the owls flapping silently among the trees without touching even a twig. Perhaps while these things are happening, you must be snugly tucked in bed. But that is no reason why you should not be told what they do while you are dreaming. Before this, you know, I have told you more of what is done by daylight in meadow, forest, farmyard, and pond. It would be a very queer world if we could not know about things without seeing them for ourselves. And you may like to think, when you are going to sleep, that hundreds and thousands of tiny out-of-door people are turning and stretching and going to find their food. In the morning, when you are dressing in your sunshiny rooms, they are cuddling down for a good day's rest. I think I ought to tell you that I have not been alone when writing these stories. I have often been in the meadow and the forest at night, and have seen and heard many interesting things. But my good cat, Silvertip, has known far more than I of the night doings of the out-of-door people. He has been beside me at my desk, and although at times he has shut his eyes and taken catnaps while I wrote, there have been many other times when he has taken the pen right out of my hand. He has even tried running the typewriter with his dainty white paws, and he has gone over every story I have written. I do not say that he has written any himself, but you can see that he has been very careful what I wrote and I have learned a great deal from him that I never knew before. He is a very good and clever cat, and if you like these stories, I am sure it must be partly because he had a paw in the writing of them. Your friend, Clara D. Pearson Chapter 1 of Among the Night People The Black Spanish Chickens When the speckled hen wanted to sit, there was no use in trying to talk her out of the idea, for she was a very set hen. So, after the farmer's wife had worked and worked, and barred her out of first one nesting place and then another, she gave up to the speckled hen, and fixed her a fine nest and put thirteen eggs into it. They were black Spanish eggs, but the speckled hen did not know that. The hens that had laid them could not bear to sit, so, unless some other hen did the work which they left undone, there would have been no black Spanish chickens. This is always their way, and people have grown used to it. Now nobody thinks of asking a black Spanish hen to sit, although it does not seem right that a hen should be unwilling to bring up chickens. 
supposing nobody had been willing to bring her up. Still, the black Spanish hens talk very reasonably about it. We will lay plenty of eggs, they say, but some of the common hens must hatch them. They do their share of the farmyard work, only they insist on choosing what that share shall be. When the speckled hen came off the nest with eleven black chickens, two of the eggs did not hatch. She was not altogether happy. "'I wanted them to be speckled,' said she, "'and not one of the whole brood is.' That was why she grew so restless and discontented in her coop, although it was roomy and clean, and she had plenty given to her to eat and drink. She was quite happy only when they were safely under her wings at night and such a time as they always had getting settled. When the sunbeams became more and more slanting through the trees, the chickens felt less and less like running around. Their tiny legs were tired, and they liked to cuddle down on the grass in the shadow of the coop. Then the speckled hen often clucked to them to come in and rest, but they liked it better in the open air. The speckled hen would also have liked to be out of the coop, yet the farmer kept her in. He knew what was best for hens with little chickens, and also what was best for the tender young lettuce and radishes in his garden. When the sun was nearly down, the speckled hen clucked her come-to-bed cluck, which was quite different from her food cluck, or her hawk cluck, and the little black chickens ran between the bars and crawled under her feathers. Then the speckled hen began to look fatter and fatter and fatter for each chicken who nestled beneath her. Sometimes one little fellow would scramble up onto her back and stand there, while she turned her head from side to side, looking at him with first one and then the other of her round yellow eyes, and scolding him all the time. It never did any good to scold, but she said she had to do something and with ten other children under her wings it would never do for her to stand up and tumble him off all the time that they were getting settled for the night the chickens were talking in sleepy little cheeps and now and then one of them would poke his head out between the feathers and tell the speckled hen that somebody was pushing him then she would be more puzzled than ever and cluck louder still Sometimes, too, the chickens would run out for another mouthful of cornmeal mush, or a few more drops of water. There was one little fellow who always wanted something to drink just when he should have been going down to sleep. The speckled hen used to say that it took longer for a mouthful of water to run down his throat than it would take for her to drink the whole panful. Of course, it did take quite a while, because he couldn't hurry it by swallowing. He had to drink as all birds do, by filling his beak with water and then holding it up until the last drop had trickled down into his stomach. When the whole eleven were at last safely tucked away for the night, the speckled hen was tired but happy. They are good children, she often said to herself. If they are black Spanish, they might be just as mischievous if they were speckled. Still, I do wish that those stylish-looking, white-eared black Spanish hens would raise their own broods. I don't like to be hatch-mother to other hens' chickens. Then she would slide her eyelids over her eyes and doze off, and dream that they were all speckled like herself. There came a day when the coop was raised, and they were free to go wherever they chose. There was a fence around the vegetable garden now, and netting around the flower-beds, 
but there were other lovely places for scratching up food, for nipping off tender young green things, for picking up the fine gravel which every chicken needs, and for wallowing in the dust. Then the black Spanish chickens became acquainted with the other fowls, whom they had never met before. They were rather afraid of the Shanghai cock, because he had such a gruff way of speaking, and they liked the Dorkings. Yet the ones they watched and admired and talked most about were the black Spanish cock and hen. There were many fowls on the farm who did not have family names, and the speckled hen was one of these. They had been there longer than the rest, and did not really like having new people come to live in the poultry-yard. It was trying, too, when the older hens had to hatch the eggs laid by the newcomers. It is said that this is what made the speckled hen leave the eleven little black Spanish chickens after she had been out of the coop for a while. They had been very mischievous and disobedient one day, and she walked off and left them to care for themselves, while she started to raise a family of her own in a stolen nest under the straw stack. When night came, eleven little black Spanish chickens did not know what to do. They went to look for their old coop, but that had been given to another hen and her family. They walked around looking very small and lonely, and wished they had minded the speckled hen and made her love them more. At last they found an old potato crate which reminded them of a coop, and so seemed rather homelike. It stood, top down, upon the ground, and they were too big to crawl through its barred sides, so they did the best they could and huddled together on top of it. If there had not been a stone heap near, they could not have done that, for their wing feathers were not yet large enough to help them flutter. The bravest chicken went first, picking his way from stone to stone until he reached the highest one, balancing himself a while on that, stretching his neck toward the potato crate, looking at it as though he were about to jump, and then seeming to change his mind and decide not to do so after all. The chickens on the ground said he was afraid, and he said he wasn't any more afraid than they were. Then, after a while, he did jump, a queer, floppy, squawky kind of jump, but it landed him where he wanted to be. After that, it was his turn to laugh at the others, while they stood teetering uncertainly on the top stone. They were very lonely without the speckled hen, and each chicken wanted to be in the middle of the group, so that he could have the others to keep him warm on all sides. Somebody laughed at the most mischievous chicken, and told him that he could stand on the potato crate's back without being scolded, and he pouted his bill and said, Much fun that would be. All I cared about standing on the speckled hen's back was to make her scold. It is very shocking that he should say such things, but he did say exactly that. They slept safely that night, and only awakened when the cocks crowed a little while after midnight. After that they slept until sunrise, and when the Shanghais and Dorkings came down from the apple tree where they had been roosting, the black Spanish chickens stirred and cheeped and looked at their feathers to see how much they had grown during the night. Then they pushed and squabbled for their breakfast. Every night they came back to sleep on the potato crate. At last they were able to spring into their places without standing on the stone pile, and that was a great day. They talked about it long after they should have been asleep, and were still chattering about it when the Shanghai cock spoke. 
"'If you black Spanish chickens don't keep still and let us sleep,' said he, "'some owl or weasel will come for you, and I shall be glad to have him.' That scared the chickens, and they were very quiet. It made the black Spanish hen uneasy, though, and she whispered to the black Spanish cock and wouldn't let him sleep until he had promised to fight anybody who might try to carry one of the chickens away from the potato crate. The next night, first one chicken and then another kept tumbling off the potato crate. They lost their patience and said such things as these to each other. You pushed me. I know you did. Well, he pushed me. Didn't either. Did too. Well, I couldn't help it if I did. The Shanghai cock became exceedingly cross, because they made so much noise, and even the black Spanish cock lost his patience. "'You may be my children,' said he, "'but you do not take your manners from me. Is there no place on this farm where you can sleep excepting that old crate?' "'We want to sleep here,' answered the chicken on the ground. "'There is plenty of room if those fellows wouldn't push.' Then he flew up and clung and pushed until some other chicken tumbled off. "'Well,' said the black Spanish cock, and he would have said much more if the black Spanish hen had not fluttered down from the apple-tree to see what was the matter. When he saw the expression of her eyes, he decided to go back to his perch. "'There is not room for you all,' said the black Spanish hen. "'One must sleep somewhere else.' "'There is room,' said the chickens, contradicting her. "'We have always roosted here.' "'There is not room.' said the black Spanish hen once more. How do your feathers grow? Finally, said they. And your feet? They are getting very big, was the answer. Do you think the speckled hen could cover you all with her wings if she were to try it now? The chickens looked at each other and laughed. They thought it would take three speckled hens to cover them. But she used to, said the black Spanish hen. She did not say anything more. She just looked at the potato crate, and at them, and at the potato crate again. Then she walked off. After a while, one of the chickens said, I guess perhaps there isn't room for us all there. The mischievous one said, If you little chickens want to roost there, you may. I am too large for that sort of thing. Then he walked up the slanting board to the apple tree branch, and perched there beside the young Shanghai's. You should have seen how beautifully he did it. His toes hooked themselves around the branch as though he had always perched there, and he tucked his head under his wing with quite an air. Before long his brothers and sisters came also, and heard him saying to one of his neighbors, Oh, yes, I much prefer apple trees, but when I was a chicken I used to sleep on a potato crate. Just listen to him, whispered the black Spanish cock, and he hasn't a tail feather worth mentioning. Never mind, answered the black Spanish hen. Let them play that they are grown up if they want to. They will be soon enough. She sighed as she put her head under her wing and settled down for the night. It made her feel old to see her children roosting in a tree. End of chapter 1